The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Welcome to Drive Through episode number 20. This is our monthly recap where we put together all news regarding Elden Ring. Wait a minute. That's my other show. Hold on. This is our monthly recap where we put together a menu of automotive, motorsport, and random car adjacent news. Now, let's pull up to the window, number one, for some automotive news. What's up, guys? Welcome to our season three kickoff. This month, we're talking about for the love of chips. For the love of chips. chips. Potato chips. You know, there's yeah. these chips that I get from Pennsylvania, only in Pennsylvania. They're called Middlesworth. They're fantastic. My father-in-law brought me a whole, pretty much like a box full of them. Can the audience hear me slamming my head on my desk right now? <laughs> no, we're going to revisit a topic from months ago where Mark Shank filled in for Brad, where we talked hashtag because chips. Chips are back in the news again. Did you guys hear about Toyota developing fake manuals for EVs? No, it's not about. <sighs> I don't get it. I was even thinking about this the other day. With all the automatic transmissions we have, why do we need a stick shift like object or even a knob? Why can't it just be a button or just you hit D for drive? It doesn't matter what gear it is, right? P for park, N for neutral, end of story, move on with life. No, Toyota has gone as far as to develop these fake manual transmission shifter things for EVs. What do I they just, do? I am not. I'm guessing they shift sure. gears. Well, what gears are there? <laughs> There are, there are four of them, park, neutral, drive, and reverse, but they look like gated shifters out of a Ferrari or whatever. I mean, I guess it's to give you that arcade feeling like you would have on your PlayStation. There's lots of technological stuff like in charts and graphs in this entire article that I didn't even want to waste the brain cells on diving into because I just think this is ludicrous going back to my point. But, 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 but I think this could be a good thing because we've all seen the memes What's a good theft deterrent, a car theft deterrent, a manual transmission? Well, now Toyota has fixed that. They've given your automatic car a manual look. So there's like a dead clutch pedal that does nothing. You just push it for like leg. It's leg day, bro. Well, most most people aren't aren't looking for the clutch pedal. They they look for the shifter. They see, oh, it's a gated shifter. It's a manual. I can't steal this car. I'm going to steal the Honda Civic down the street. I mean, I guess they basically could be adding gear reduction on the motor put you in a different battery induced torque band but i don't know why you would really care to do that again with paddle shifters being in cars since like 2007 ish who cares like why does this even matter anymore again this is a thought that crossed my mind the other day before i even came across this article and this article reinforced the fact that if you have an automatic transmission none of this stuff is really necessary i mean i do see some designs from British manufacturers that are super clean. Like Jag started doing this a while ago. You remember the uh, the, the, trans- the, big, the selector mm-hmm. would disappear into the console mm-hmm. and stuff. Yep, yep. It looks really cool. Well, I mean, are they meaning it really to be that you're driving down the road like a 
traditional ice manual transmission where you're going, oh, I started in first and now I'm second, now I'm third. Or is it like, or is it like an automatic where you're like, oh, I put it in drive, but now I want to be in like sport mode and it changes. No, no, no. no. I will read it to you verbatim. It says, this is according to the patent that they've submitted. It includes a simulated clutch pedal, simulated gear shift and a method and a method of interrupting torque flow to mimic the experience of driving a traditional manually equipped combustion engine. Again, it's a video game. I don't, I don't understand. And how how much is this stupid option going to cost? So it's a Fanatec inside your car. Exactly. It's on the bright side. Are you getting your replacement parts at Best Buy when, or Micro oh, Center? It's made by Sony. <laughs> uh, hey, no, no, no. Because of what Sony's been bringing to the car world, you know, they've been trying to show their, what is it, the Sony Vision or whatever the hell that car's name? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. But maybe it is made by Sony. Maybe they well, brought something to the table. It's a PlayStation controller. Maybe we're suddenly going to hear how Logitech is going to get into uh, the oh, automotive man. world. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a little force feedback. There's going to be a Fanatec. There's going to be a Logitech. There's going to be a Microsoft. Rustmaster. I mean, look at the aftermarket potential here. I just want to know when I get the Game Genie for my car. Okay. What's the Contra code up over AB start? Because that's what it's going to turn into. You have to have a Tesla that comes equipped with the games. Well, as far as I'm concerned, there aren't enough chips to make this happen. So this is fantasy more than it is reality. Fanatec. I, I mean, again, it's one of those things. They've got an idea. They're putting a patent in. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to implement it, but they've thought of something somebody else hasn't, and they should put legal bounds around it to prevent somebody else from doing something with it. Yes, but now I've got a question for you. What is stranger? This thing, whatever the hell it is, or the electric cars that actually come with a manual transmission? Because didn't Ford come out with a Mustang, an electric Mustang concept car? that actually had a manual transmission. There's a Wrangler as well, I believe, that they did with a six-speed manual strapped to an EV. So what's stranger? I'm okay with that, though, because I'm still physically connected to the car and I'm changing gears. The tachometer is the disconnect. I guess I'm shifting at 14,000 revolutions or something. I don't, I don't know what that might be with an EV. It's a little bit different to make that translation, but for an off-roader, like that electric Wrangler prototype, it makes sense. I want to be in second gear or third gear or whatever it is. Well, yeah, versus... you want to be able to control the torque, but I mean, I guess you can do that with the transfer case too. I don't know. Four, I like the idea of, of bridging the two together, but most people have already graduated away from manual transmissions. I mean, I feel like a dinosaur. I still drive a manual car, but I love it. I enjoyed that experience. It's visceral. I'm connected to the car. This reminds me of those stupid arcade games where you know how they are. You sit down and everything's just loose and just gross. And I don't know. Well, you wonder what its place is in a future that seems to be heading towards all this self-driving, right? Well, what's the point? Exactly. I mean, why exactly. do you need a steering wheel? Well, I mean... There's always the uh, the backup scenario that you need the steering wheel for <laughs> redundancy in safety measures, but the transmission like that, I, I don't know, extra cost, extra complexity, more things to break. But I think that Eric hopes that in the future, these Toyotas, if they do make them with this transmission, they have a similar fate as the cargo ship 
that caught on fire in the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, pray tell. <laughs> yes, I think most people heard about this, that there was this gigantic car hauler cargo ship that was suddenly ablaze off, I think, the coast of Portugal or something as it was trying to set sail. Unfortunately, it was filled with high-end Volkswagen products. <laughs> so there were Porsches on there. I think there were, I could misspeak if there was Bugattis or something there were Lamborghinis on there as well. I think there were some other electric Volkswagen propers. Unfortunately, after the blaze went out, it sank. So any hope of salvaging any of the cars that possibly weren't fire damaged, now they're water damaged. So the real tragedy here is the chips. Yeah, so I've got a conspiracy theory. I think this was caused by Bosch to get retribution on the whole diesel gate. He said, he said, thing so i think bosch is getting revenge on bag well that's a that's a stretch (laughs) (laughs) so that's not the only uh issue with chips these days due to current economic crises if you've watched the news lately a lot more shortages are happening due to disruptions in supply chain and raw materials etc etc so i think the latest victims of cars in production right now are the id4 the taycan the zupra Z4, some of the Mercedes lines as well. Some of the Fords also went slow rolling production and even GMs and whatnot because of this new chip shortage. The ongoing crisis, we'll call it in the Ukraine, isn't helping anything either because a lot of the Xeon supplies and things like that used for the chips using the vehicles come from that area of the world. So seeing production lines shut down or slow down, I mean, it's all a trickle down effect at this point. Sad to hear everything that's going on, you know, on the global landscape, where I think we can wait for our Taycans and our Zupras to come out, you know. Oh, for sure. They're, they're, the, they're the least of concerns. Yeah, um, exactly. I guess I'll have moment. to cancel the order for my Taycan. Well, I mean, what are you doing with that Cybertruck reservation you had, right? You got to wait on that for a while, too. <laughs> I'm going to eat that hundred bucks. <laughs> What's going to happen with that? That, thing? that being said, there is something I will stand in line for. Okay. And there was a video that got released recently that I am still salivating over. And I've watched this thing a thousand times at the very least. And it's the reveal, or let's say sort of reveal of the teaser. New, yeah, the teaser of the new electric DeLorean. Just saying that gets me excited. Like my my heart skips a couple beats. I'm going to say it again. Electric DeLorean. Yes, please. A thousand. Look it to my veins, as they say. Take my money. Take it all. (laughs) Take my money. Unrelated, but kind of related. I saw a picture on Instagram of a lowered DeLorean painted I saw that one too, yeah. Oh my God, that was such a beautiful car. Gorgeous. You know, and somebody had the nerve to tell me that that car needed to be lowered nine inches on time. It's already slammed to the ground. And I'm like, yeah. And and even talking, I had a conversation about regular DeLoreans, the same thing. They're too tall. I actually recently did an episode with a DeLorean owner, sneak preview here, guys, spoiler alert. That car is as tall as a 914. It's only 43 inches from the ground in stock trim. That is a low vehicle by any standard. The only car lower than that is a GT40 at 40 inches. The what, are they, what are they 
spacing nine they should be lowered by nine inches i on. mean that's an exaggeration but oh, okay if you, yeah, I I mean, like, if, you if you if you look at a delorean it's on 14 inch rims with like 75 series tires it does look like it's up on stilts but in reality when you see it in person it's a small car it's very yeah. wide and it's very low it's not huge by any stretch of the imagination no, no. i've actually never seen one in person Ooh, oh I used wow to- there was a guy, he lived near me. I would see him on the road or sometimes he'd go get gas at the grocery store gas station or whatever. And so he'd be there parked and I'd be like walking to my car at the grocery store. I'm like, ooh, it's the DeLorean guy. <laughs> that must have been back when people could actually afford gas. Well, well I mean, it, by design, it's a big Scirocco. It follows in line with the Audi Coupe and, and all those cars of that generation. And why is that? I don't know why. I think it's because they were all designed by the greatest, no, just kidding, <laughs> by and one Farina. of the best, <laughs> by Mr. Jujaro. He Ooh. is famous for many cars that we take for granted, you know, cars with the name Delta and Scirocco and Golf and, and I mean, his, his, his so list is, goes on and on and on. He, he touched almost every major mark at some point. He even did like a concept Mustang or whatever, read his laundry list. And apparently his company, Ital Design, is slated. So he designed the original DeLorean. They are back on the team to design this new DeLorean. Here is my bank account number. Yeah, right. <laughs> And by the way, he also designed the Fiat Panda. I mean, there is nothing that holds a camera. I mean, I'm, I'm, the only problem is this thing is going to be like $175,000. So I can't afford it. But what I can afford is the new Lego set that's going to be coming out, which looks amazing. And that's $170 instead of $175,000. So swap off a couple zeros. Yeah. yeah, It's one ten thousandth the scale. So it's perfect, right? So It's, it's great. But yes, if you're looking for an affordable DeLorean, check out Lego. They're they're dropping soon. And, you know, we're going to talk about collector cars here in a little bit, but the DeLorean is still on the list of very affordable vehicles. If you want something from an era gone by, like, the, you know, the early 80s, we'll talk about this more on that episode that I mentioned. A lot of people don't realize that 9,000 or so DeLoreans were built. There's a lot of them out there for a car that was basically in production for about a year. There's tons of swaps, people putting LS motors in them and and boxer engines and all sorts of stuff. So I think it's going to become more of a collector item. Granted, Back to the Future kind of saved it from oblivion, but this resurgence with the DeLorean EV, I think it's awesome. I can't wait. I really can't. So switching gears out of the uh, chips, although although I'm sure this next one uh, also runs on some chips. So what would I, what would you say if about Saab and their, wait, 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 excuse me. (laughs) Did you just blaspheme on the podcast? What what did you just say? You know, I saw Saab and I had to click it because I was like, what's going on here? And uh, it's not what you'd think it'd be, but it is still pretty cool. So the Saab Sabretooth, is an underwater autonomous vehicle. So it's not really a car, but it's a vehicle of sorts. So I just threw it in here as an interesting thing. So Saab is still doing cool stuff. And this particular autonomous underwater vehicle recently is infamous for taking some pictures of the sunken endurance ship, which was 
Ernest Shackleton. He did several expeditions through Antarctica and whatnot. Um, so was able to go, you know, 10,000 feet or something deep and get first time images of that shipwreck that they found. So pretty cool. It's not a Viggen wagon or anything, but you know. It sort of looks like a Saab 900 from the 80s. But that being said, there was a preview recently on History Channel where Lawrence Fishburne is narrating the expedition where they're using the Saab technology and everything else to find that shipwreck. So I think that's pretty cool. So if you're interested in diving more into that story, check out History Channel. Speaking of technology, finally, maybe, apparently the U.S. has approved a new headlights. Headlights that won't blind oncoming drivers. Basically, adaptive headlights. We can now have adaptive headlights. What does that mean exactly? Because if, oh, no. if they're not blinding you, it means they're off. So what I are think they it, adapting to? I think it's sensing the headlights of the other people and maybe dims or points them temporarily down. Because there's a lot of like the adaptive like high beams and stuff like that. They can sense like super long distances. I was actually pretty impressed in an excursion I was in, in the mountains at how well that actually worked. I didn't, wasn't believing it at first. But when I'm driving around in my new DeLorean EV, which is 43 inches from the ground, and a Tahoe is coming at me from the yes. other direction, and it points its headlights down into my eyes, I have adapted to nothing but blindness. That'll be an interesting test case. We'll have to see how that goes. Will it keep people from turning on their high beams oh, during God. the day? Pet nope. peeves. Pet peeves. <laughs> Do you not see the big indicator in the middle of your dashboard that's nope. telling you your high beams are up? No, of course not, because you don't ever look at your dashboard. It's dawn. The sun is barely up. I can't see the big black truck coming my way. They're holding the cell phone up to block the sun, remember? We covered this. <laughs> it's true. And that's why they can't see, so they need their high beams so they can see further down the road. You want to get me riled up. It's people in their high beams when they shouldn't have them. They're sitting behind me. I will say this. The one thing that I think should be on all cars anymore, it was invented like in the 50s by the French, by Citroën, which is the headlights that turn as you're turning. And that was actually on one of the cars I hate the most on the the face of the planet, which is a Citroën DS, right? It had those. My Jeep has that now 50 years later, and it's really cool and it does work. Those adapt to the road as you're turning and all this kind of thing. Not every car has it. I actually think that's more useful in some respects than this adaptive headlight thing, because unfortunately we have so many vehicles with different ride heights and belt lines that, again, to our point from before, I don't know how this is going to work. Outside of shipwrecks, Volkswagen has decided that it wants to take Porsche public. Anybody lining up to buy stock? Didn't they like try that and then not try that and talk about it, but not talk about it? And you put your left foot in and you take your right foot out and you do the hokey pokey. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Volkswagen, Porsche, all of them, they're traded on the European markets. You can already look all that stuff up. We just can't get access to it here. Obviously, probably through Porsche North America or Porsche Cars North America, whatever, they'll come up with a way to list Porsche on the NASDAQ. I can see this in the same respect that Fiat did with Ferrari. And okay, that's cool. But does Porsche really want to be a publicly traded company? Do they want to be under that kind of scrutiny? I have no vested interest. Pun intended. <laughs> Let so me what's with shift, this? shift all my Tesla stock over. Shift, shift all that AMC stock you've got. The Porsche CEO has also confirmed that an electric sports car is going to replace the current 718 model lineup. And if you don't know all the Porsche numbers, the 718 is the Boxster Cayman platform. And so by 2025, they will be replaced by EVs. 
sorry, Boxster Cayman owners, you're out of luck, you know, keep what you got if you like your petrol powered <laughs> vehicles. But it does seem like as they move to the Taycan and, and the Macan electric and all these different ones, the holdout is still the flagship. It is the 911. I think the 911 is going to be probably one of the last vehicles to go EV because it takes away from the essence of the 911. And a lot of 911 purists, I don't think, are ready to have a fully electric 911. They can drive their take-in for that instead, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that strategy either. Between that, between the take-in that's already there, between the Macan that's supposed to become an EV as well, they've got other vehicles in their lineup. So they are shifting towards electric, but there's no reason to just necessarily just drop everything in one go. I think also the 911 is held out because of its motorsports involvement, because the rules in organizations like SRO, where they're doing GT3 and GT4 and IMSA or GTLM and GT Pro and stuff like that, where the 911 competes, there are no EVs. There's no regulations for that yet. So they have to keep for homologation purposes, a petrol power plant in the 911. So again, I think it's going to be the holdout because nobody's racing a Taycan or really Caymans and, and Boxsters at that level of motorsport. You see it in the grassroots world or in the pro-am space, you know, the Cayman GT4s and all that kind of stuff, but you're not seeing it at the higher levels like Le Mans and Rolex and things like that. So once that changes, once those things get adopted, as they've hinted to 2023 and beyond, then maybe we'll see something change. But it's it's going to be a ways, I think, before the 911 gets a heart transplant. Agreed. They're just going to build like a, a six liter boxer motor to go back there. It looks like there really isn't a whole bunch of news coming out of Mercedes or BMW this month. And we happen to get out of our lull of Stellantis news with the re-emergence of Chrysler. I didn't know they had exited. Well, because you can still buy a brand new 2008 Chrysler Sebring convertible somewhere, I'm sure, sitting on the dealer lot. It's parked next to that 2016 Dodge Dart, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And or PT Cruiser. The Chrysler 200. That you always get as a rental? 200. I mean, Chrysler kind of like faded into the sunset. It's an afterthought for most people. Like, yeah, we remember that the Sebring, ooh, like that's something we should remember. (laughs) Remember that brand that wasn't quite as good as Cadillac or even Buick? Chrysler. Does anybody remember when the 300 left stage? Did they make an announcement about that? Exactly. It's there and then it's not, but you don't even realize. See, that's just what Chrysler has become. It's like, you don't even remember that they're there or they're not there. I mean, that's kind of magical in its own way, but. <laughs> it's secret assassins. <laughs> but that's the point of this is they want to bring it back so that you're fully aware that yes, there is a Chrysler. And that's a result of the new CEO that we talked about coming online at Chrysler. We speculated about what they would do and whether Chrysler would be a EV arm of Stellantis and all that. The new Pacifica stuff I'm seeing looks really cool, right? They've teased some stuff. I like the redesign. I'm not a big fan of the current one when they kind of merge the caravan and the Pacifica together. And they, you know, they created the Voyager, which people don't realize exists right now. Again, going back to Chrysler's in stealth mode, but this new EV that's coming out, it looks pretty cool. And I'd be curious to see it outside of pictures in person and maybe even go for a test drive. First picture that they put in the article, car and driver article on this is just a front shot and it's called the airflow. I'm not sure if that's quite going to be the final name or not, but it's being called the airflow. I mean, it, 
It doesn't look bad from the front. I don't know what the rest of it looks like. It reminds me of an ID4. They're also claiming 400 miles of range out of the new airflow. So again, it's not a replacement for the Pacifica, right? The minivan's much larger than this thing. To Brad's point, mm-hmm. it does, does look like an ID4, but it's got some good styling cues. You can definitely tell that Fiat's had their hand in tooling this up. This isn't supposed to be a minivan. They said it's supposed to compete against the the Model Y, the Mach-E, and then the Volvo Recharge. So it's one of those compact crossover. Not sure I'm an SUV, but I want to be. So switching to domestic news brought to you in part by AmericanMuscle.com, your source for Chevy, Ford, and Mopar performance and OEM replacement parts. We've got only really one thing to talk about this month. There, there might have been a couple other things. GM has got another plant they're trying to open, maybe for building batteries here stateside. Obviously, there's the chips issue across everybody and, and slowing production. But the cool thing that's come out is, or interesting thing, I guess, is Ford is restructuring and they want to split Ford into the ice Ford and then the electric Ford. So they're calling it, I guess, Ford Blue. I guess because blue is the Ford color and that'll be the ice division. And then in the great infinite genius that is Ford, and I'm not saying that in a sarcastic way, their electric division is going to be called Ford Model E because they snatched that trademark name up like way back in the beginning when Tesla started doing stuff with model blah, blah, blah. They were like, nope, he is ours. And I love it because it harkens back to the, you know, the Model T and blah, blah, blah. Way to go, Ford. Way to go, Ford. Way to be on top and last. This reminds me of Volkswagen and Volkswagen. Except this isn't April 1st. I do not think it's a... They're a week early. What can I say? They're a week early. Yeah, exactly. A falsely (laughs) uh, leaked April Fool's joke weirdness. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. So... The more I think about this, you know, even going back to what we talked about at the top of the show, where, you know, looking at how things have changed, you know, what's the point of a manual when you have an EV or you have an automatic transmission, all that kind of stuff. I think that the Mach-E and this type of rebranding and separation is in line to save Ford from the brink of extinction. And that's a strong thing to say. But if you think about it, they've already downsized all their vehicle fleet. They focused heavily on trucks, which we know are not fuel efficient and difficult to make long range EV pickups right now and things like that. And so the market is shifting. You're seeing Tesla introducing sedans, CUVs and things like that. They need to compete to stay viable, You know, especially a company that's been around for well over a hundred years at the beginning of when cars were new, right? They can say that things like the Mach-E, things like this Model E plan, I think makes sense. They have to do this. This is why I tip my hat to Chrysler, right? They're taking their time. They're doing their thing. They're trying to reintroduce. They got some cool stuff coming. Again, I asked the question, what is Chevy doing? Chevy's Chevy's still fixing ignition switches. (laughs) And and the pop-up hoods on the the Corvette C8s, right? Yeah, the pop-up hoods on the Corvettes, yeah. They're still settling out lawsuits left and right. Uh, You know, but it's something to think about. The market is, if you look at when Tesla was introduced, there's a lot of Teslas now that are getting close to 10 years old. We're 10 years into EVs, whether we like it or not. We still make it seem like it's so new when it really isn't, you know, and that's that's a good long run for a lot of vehicles. So the market is shifting. The market is changing. I'm still holding true to certain vehicles that I, I love and cherish. I still want my electric DeLorean. That's a whole other thing. 
there are some things that just kind of boggle my mind. And we're going to talk about it more as we go through, which is the introduction of yet another awesome, cool sports model ice motor thing is like, are these last hurrah cars or what the heck is going on? And more importantly, on the JDM side of the house, Toyota and Yamaha have gotten together and done something that I didn't think anybody was going to do. And basically they took one of the Lexus V8s, one of the race motors basically, and made it run on hydrogen. Much like Tanya mentioned earlier, Chrysler, you forget that they're there and they're doing this and that. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing with Mm -hmm. the hydrogen cars, you forget that there's been a bunch over the last 15, 20 years. So they did away with the fuel cell uh, and instead it's going to run on on H2 in place of gasoline. I guess they wanted to show that you you would be able to fill it, I guess, easily, I guess, more easily. Than right, exactly. As a, as a true alternative to gasoline. Again, like I said, you know, a lot of hydrogen ideas have come and gone. Tanya's talked about them too. Every once in a while, there's some really cool, like super hypercar hydrogen thing that they're working on. And, you know, like that one that broke all those records maybe six months ago, I think, or so that we reported on it. I think this is neat, you know, going back to the well and saying, how can we refine and perfect the internal combustion engine to run on something else? You know, they're saying it makes 450 horsepower. They're saying, yes, it's zero emissions, all these kinds of things, but there's not any comparable numbers right now. I don't know. It says that since they're basing it on the five liter V8 Lexus RCF engine, they're saying it's going to be somewhere like 450 horsepower and almost 400 foot pounds of torque running on hydrogen gas. And how much is the hydrogen going to cost per gallon? That's the bigger question, right? So I'm going to let people kind of figure that out for themselves. Didn't but... the Hindenburg run on hydrogen? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Speaking of expensive Japanese things, a Toyota, of all things, has set the record for the most expensive Japanese car to be sold at auction at the recent Amelia Island, the Toyota 2000 GT Shelby edition, the one that Shelby himself worked on and helped modify for GT racing back in the late 60s, sold for a whopping two and a half million dollars. Now, that doesn't seem like a whole lot when you compare it to $50 million Ferraris and Bugattis and all sorts of bespoke Talbots and things like that. But in the JDM world, two and a half million dollars for a vintage Toyota, that's saying a lot. That's good. That means things are changing and people are really beginning to appreciate those cars. But it took Carroll Shelby to make it sell for that much. I don't think it would have sold for that much without the Carroll Shelby touch. And the racing pedigree and the wins and everything else behind it. I mean, that that car has history. So, but it's good I mean, to I see love, it, right? I love the 2000 GTs. I think they're fantastic cars. Every time we do a vintage series in Forza, you know, I choose one of these if I can. And I think it gave way to other designs as well. Like if you look at the 240Z, which came several mm-hmm. years later, they're very similar, right? And so, again, there's there's a lot of things to be proud of with the 2000 GT. It's a cool car. I just wish it was better known. But I also am curious now to see what's going to happen with the 90s Supras and things like that. As they get older, are they going to blow this car out of the water? Or suddenly is this car going to be a $25 million car one day like the Ferraris are now? You know, So it'll be curious to see what happens on the auction scene and in the collector car world. Well, all those cars that go to auction are unobtainium for me. But if we're looking at new cars, something that a lot of people are looking at now is the new WRX. I'm sure you people have seen the 2022 WRX that came out not too long ago. It's got the weird blacked out fender wells. It looked like it's an off-roader or whatever. 
raise a lot of controversy. Well, with the WRX comes an STI, right? Not this time. Subaru has said that, you know, with the ever-changing regulations and everything and the the need to build cars that meet greenhouse gases and uh, zero emission vehicles and fuel economy and CAFE and, and all that other stuff, they've decided to scrap the idea of an STI for this generation. And actually, they're looking into possibly an electric STI in the future. So for all you people that saw the WRX and thought, oh, I'm going to wait for the STI version to come out, you're going to be waiting a really long time. Uh, explain to me again how a flat EV is going to work. Isn't that the whole thing about Subarus is we got the flat motor? I think the whole thing about Subarus is the marketing campaign. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. Never mind. <laughs> but since Tanya can't get that Subaru STI that she's been looking for, I found her replacement for all those beaters that she has. Thou has blasphemed. <laughs> Apparently, the U.S. market has been teased several times is getting a Toyota GR Corolla. I was so hopeful there for a minute. I don't know anything about it. I mean, the Corolla hatchback is not a bad looking car. We've seen it on the road. I like seeing the Corolla hatchbacks. I have not driven one, so I can't comment in that regard. But I think they did a nice job with it. I enjoy seeing them on the road. They are appropriately small yes yeah. as you would and hope pro- them to be they're proportioned well i think they're good looking cars they are small i would never drive one because i don't fit well you can still get one with a manual transmission one of the few cars you can get with a manual transmission so they're coming out with the gr gazoo racing version i would like to see US that shores i, I wonder what the difference would be really maybe it's all under the bodywork because i believe you can already get the Corolla and the Midnight Murdered Out edition, which is pretty sweet. So beyond that, I mean, I guess obviously there could be more aggressive air dams and and things and the body kit, blah blah blah, and then hopefully suspension. It needs two things. Motor. It needs a turbo, a, a, a big turbo four cylinder. Yeah, a yeah. big turbo four cylinder and all wheel drive. Although exactly. I don't think the GR Yaris has all wheel drive, does it? It can come with all wheel drive overseas. And doesn't the Yaris come in a, isn't it a three-cylinder turbo or is it a four-cylinder? I think there's different engine packages for that thing. For, for the for the GR version. Well, the rally, the rally car is a four-cylinder. Okay. You know, what's interesting about this car in particular, I'm hoping somebody buys one of these and brings it to the track because the big question that comes out for me isn't how good is the GR Corolla? It's how good is it compared to the Hyundai Veloster N? Because here's the thing, I, I get to coach in a lot of different cars and the new Civics, they're cool. And, you know, a Honda finally adapted turbos. It only took them like 30 years to catch up and all that. But the Civic's really big and it feels big. The Veloster N, you know, like I've said before, it's the best GTI ever built in Korea. But the experiences I've ever had with JDM cars, when I walk away from a Toyota, I always feel satisfied, whether it was a Supra or an MR2 or whether, you know, even if it was even a shitbox Corolla, I've always walked away from it not feeling like it was just completely numb, like a lot of other cars are. They're just fun. They kind of remind me of the old Volkswagens in a way. And so I'm really kind of excited to see somebody bring one of these out and put it through its paces Well, I'm glad to hear you say that about the Toyotas because I've got another bit of Toyota news that is unsubstantiated and unconfirmed and it's just rumor mill BS probably, but allegedly Toyota for the Zupra is bringing back the manual. You want to know why? I can speculate on this one. You want to know why? Go for it. Because of the Z, because the Z is coming with a manual transmission. And so to be competitive, they're going to have to put one in the Zupra as well. 
which isn't a big deal for BMW at the end of the day, right? They got like 93,000 ZF transmissions laying around that they could probably throw in this thing, why they didn't do it in the first place. But also BMW is making that shift back to manual transmissions for the enthusiasts. We talked about this last month with the M3s and the M4s and things like that. So it will make sense to put a manual in the Zupra, but on the same token, I think it's in direct competition against the Z. Mm -hmm. The thing about the Z is if the price point is accurate they keep saying it's going to be a high 40s low 50s car if that's true it's still going to blow the supra out of the water the Zupra was supposed to be in that range i think it ended up being higher because of markups and stuff like that and it was rare and blah 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 the prices for the Zupra, well they haven't come down because covid this chip that you know whatever but i think it's supposed to be in the similar range in the 50s i don't think the the top of the line after twenty thousand dollars in destination fees you're at 75 grand yeah it's amazing <laughs> but, but they also brought down they also brought out the four-cylinder zupra as well I guess wait to, what to, that's to, a thing that's a thing there's a four-cylinder zupra yeah to to hit a lower price point so it's not, obviously it's not as fast and it doesn't perform as, as well as the six but yes there's a four-cylinder zupra so is that the two liter turbo bmw motor that doesn't want to stay together I believe so. I don't know. I haven't looked into it too much because who yeah. wants a four-cylinder Supra? Exactly. So <laughs> they'll like sell who wants, three who of those. Wants an, who wants an NA Supra? Nobody. It's like the people that bought the clown shoe non-M edition. You're like, really? There's like three of those, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> They're just clowns. So I think we've talked too much about our four-wheel friends here. What about two wheels? Uh, oh, what's come, Ducati come doing again? these days? Yeah, yeah. What are well, they Well, you know, honestly, we're going to have to pull a little more info here because different manufacturers are stepping it up a bit and there's more things coming out left and right in terms of the motorbike electric scene. But this development is of the pedal variety. Oh. So... Oh, is, this, is this Huffy? No. BMX is back. <laughs> Do they still Bro, make Huffies? <laughs> I think you can buy Huffies at Walmart, yeah. It's probably the only place you can buy them. <laughs> no, I saw this and I have always, I thought really long and hard the last bicycle that I bought. I really wanted to get a Bianchi. Ooh. And really the only thing that stopped me was the place I was living. There really weren't any bike shops that had them mm. available to test ride and whatnot. So I ended up going a different route and they're very, very expensive bicycles. And you really can't buy a bicycle without testing it out. There are a lot of places around here that sell Bianchis. Yeah. <laughs> Too late. Hindsight. Or, hindsight. Hind- <laughs> 10 years later. No, Apparently, Bianchi is getting into the electric bicycle realm as well, and they've unveiled two different city bikes, one city and one actually country touring bike that are going to be mid-drive electric. Now, I'm sad, actually, to see that they are not the classic Celeste Green that all Bianchis usually come in, or at least some bit of it not being on here. I think they need to, to fix that. If you're looking for an electric bicycle, not sure how much these cost. And I'm not sure they're actually even going to come to the States because they talk about the top speed being limited by European e-bike laws. And so they're actually limited to 15 and a half miles an hour, which if you're not really a cyclist that goes out very frequently, that's 
it's a pretty good cruising speed. And a lot of people can even struggle to hit that if they're not routine bikers. You can pedal beyond that. So you can exceed the bike speed limit laws, which would be pretty easy to do, actually. So that's pretty cool. This is not the first Bianchi electric bike. Apparently, further down in the article, there's a link to, I guess, a previous model that actually does have pricing. The previous model actually looks pretty killer, actually, if you find that link. But the top of the line previous version was up to $5,900. Oh, man. So I can only imagine that these a little more pedestrian so maybe they're going to be in the four thousand four thousand to thirty five hundred dollar range something like that which is still not cheap for a bicicleta no Um, i guess if you live in the city and you're it's a commuter bike maybe you can afford that because you don't have a car so you don't have that and you don't have any and you don't want a moped or something like that so maybe this is affordable in that very specific use case buy a bianchi bike or put gas in my vehicle which one do I? well if you don't have a vehicle (laughs) even if you do you can't afford to fill it well yeah these days (laughs) i think that's cool i i like the electric bike idea they need to up the weight limits on them but yeah whatever well i think it's time for us to now move on to brad's favorite section lost and found so remember we talked about that lamborghini that some dude built in his basement yeah Yeah, the one that has termites right that's the one that had to he had to like bust his wall down did it have a wooden frame how did you i can't remember anything about this car well whatever it's for sale (laughs) he says he says so cavalierly it's for sale where it's for sale on ebay for how much too much eighty five thousand dollars that's a bargain for a fake lamborghini are you kidding? For twenty five grand, you can have a Fiero with a F forty body kit on it. You know, I saw one of those the other day when I was at Autofab. They, they do look exist. So weird. They, They're the terrible. proportions are all wrong. <laughs> like, the nose is long enough, but the door is itty bitty, and it's got a Fiero V six. And oh my god, those cars are atrocious. This one had an LS swap in the back with turbos, and I can assume that it was fast, but it looks scary. A waste of money. <laughs> waste of money so speaking of waste of money and we were talking about chips there seems to be a lot of new cars still sitting unsold on dealer lots even in today's ridiculous used car market not shortages of vehicles things like that there's still cars sitting around what do we got sitting around on lots days in dealer inventory the hyundai genesis g80 oh the nissan armada you know, they missed one. They missed the 2016 Dodge Dart because that's how many years ago was that? Um, so was that 1,200 days? <laughs> yeah. So this is really a chart about the number of days that they're staying in dealer inventory. And to your point, the Nissan Armada and the Genesis are sitting in inventory for almost three months on lots. So being unsold. But then those cars are on the higher end of the price spectrum too. If you're going to buy a G80, you're looking at a $70,000 car. It's like, no wonder. I mean, with the prices of vehicles being what they are, and we're going to talk about that a little more as we go along, it's no wonder that they're not selling. Same with the Alfa Romeos and stuff, right? The the Giulia and the Stelvio, they're a little bit more expensive. I did chuckle at the Passat because we know that's had its swan song. You know, nobody aspires to own a rental car. I've said it before. The, The thing that I like is the Jeep Wagoneer. With all the fanfare and everything, and this is going to take on Lexus and Range Rover and blah, 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 blah. Now they'd sit on the lot for 50 days. Well, it's also 120 grand. So, you know, hey, go for it. Why can't they start dismantling all these cars and taking the chips and putting them in the cars that people actually want to buy? Uh, that's what I keep thinking, too. 
Now, the one that did surprise me was the Ram 1500. To see a pickup truck sitting on the lot, maybe because Dodge trucks have a bad rap, you know, like they always say, you buy a Dodge truck for the motor and you wait for the rest of it to rot. I don't think that's the case anymore. The new Rams are really great places to live. Everybody that I know that's bought one says nothing but good things about them. The warranty that Chrysler Dodge has nowadays is pretty awesome. I can I can attest to that personally. So I don't know why a Ram would be sitting around for, you know, 40, 45 days or whatever. Maybe, again, could be the cost. I mean, these pickup trucks are coming in now with markups clocking in anywhere between 70 and 120 grand we've seen. It's nuts. Yeah, I, I doubt they're the tradesman edition. No, <laughs> they're sitting no, there in a lot. No, they're no. the big horns. And the power wagons and stuff. Yeah. And the exactly. power wagons and the, what what was that? The RTX or whatever the hell they just came out the with. TRX, uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. The, the big hundred thousand dollar 10 year auto loan Ram. Well, on the other side of that coin, Forbes is telling us that there's a whole bunch of cars that we should hang on to because they're going to be collectible in the future. I love the so- fact that you've owned like three or four of these. Right. Continue to own two of them right now. (laughs) I noticed that as well. One thing that irritated me about this list is what it's 67, a list of 67 cars. How many duplicates were there? There's the Camaro. There's the Camaro SS. There's the Camaro 1LE. There's the Camaro Z28. There's the Corvette Stingray. There's the Corvette ZL1. There's the blah, blah, blah. How about just say Corvette with these models? Did anyone notice that this is the list of collectible cars and then there was a ducati (laughs) i did see that i thought that was cute i mean it's quite collectible but then there were other things to brad's point four generations of the miata i mean the miatas i guess it's collectible to it was only the recent version too though well Which, there was I there guess was is the, the only good one now. Well, there was the ND, the NDRF, the NC Miata was on the list, and to include the Fiat 124 Abarth, which is a Miata. So there was at least four on this list. I mean, I kind of I started losing focus on this list. I, I get it, it's the future car, so it's cars today and hold on to them later. But it, I don't know, some of them I was, I was just like, really? I don't think so. And then the number one, I was like, really? Kia Stinger. (laughs) I mean, it did start to feel like here's the hottest cars of the last 20 years. You know, okay, fine. There were only really a handful of vintage cars on this list, like the Ferrari Testarossa from 84 to 91. I did chuckle at the VW Vanagon Westphalia. I was like, right on. That's a a collective car. The Dodge Viper, 96 to 2002, the Gen 2s, obviously. And then to Brad's point, they reiterated again with the Gen 5 Vipers. So pretty much I said any Viper is collectible, except for the ones. The two that Andrew bought, those are not. (laughs) The VW Corrado was on that list. But if you're in the VW community, you already know the Corrado is a unicorn. It's it's already a collector car. They're unobtainium as they exist. I was happy to see the 914 on the list. That has a special place in my heart. In your garage. That is true. The TT Coupe, the original Mark One, is on that list, which is, you know, neither here nor there, but its counterparts were also on the list, right? The Z3, the S2000, you didn't see the Boxster on this list. Actually, this list was completely devoid of Porsches, except for the 914. So I thought no, that was there was a Cayman. There was Cayman a GT. Oh, you're right. There was a GT4 on that list, but that's a super new car. I think if I had to pick three off of this list, I don't know about you guys, it would be the WK1 SRT8 Jeep. That is definitely a collector. It's limited edition. It's the first of the big muscle Jeeps 
unlike the Trackhawk, which they listed later, the Alpha 4C, I actually really like that car. And I think the other one that would probably surprise a lot of people, and I'm going to say this, is the BMW M2. And I've sworn <laughs> off BMWs, but I've ridden in a lot of M2s, and the M2s are really, really good. And I agree with the M2 because look at what happened with the 1M when it came out. They made it for like one year. They're now unobtainium. Even like a couple years, a used one with like 10,000 miles, right after they stopped making them, you couldn't buy one for less than 10 grand over what the person paid for it brand new. So I, I agree with the M2. So if you guys had to do a little mini, what should I buy here? What would you pick off this list? Anything different than what I chose? I wish they would just show the list. I didn't have to go through the stupid slideshow. That's <laughs> yeah, I need the TLDR. Just list 67 of them in a straight line. I would uh, have the Testarossa. 100%. I would also have the LFA. I would have the Julia. I'm seeing a theme here. They're red in Italian. They're, it's Italian. <laughs> Well, then you need the Ducati because it is also red and Italian. So you're good. Or Brad would have that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would have the Ducati. I am actually upset at the lack of Fiat Panda on the list. Exactly. I don't know. People don't car. know what a collector car oh, is. is. So, so what, what on this list would you take off and replace with one car? I think we just answered Tanya's. Obviously the Kia Stinger or the Corrado. Oh no, the Kia Stinger is the one that would leave. Or the, the numerous versions of Camaros. Just keep yes. one Camaro. Yeah. I think a car I would add to this list that's underappreciated that is going to become a collector car is going to be the 928. I could see that. Because it's so weird. It's so awkward. It's got a mystique behind it too. It, it was around for a long time. It was Again, supposed to replace the 911. That Anything yeah. that's supposed to replace the 911 never actually does. Exactly. And it's not as rare as a 968 or not nearly as modded as a 944. A lot of 944s are just ragged out race cars, like whatever. There's a lot of 944s that were produced, but the 928 is kind of like, yeah, it's a 928. And when you see one, or maybe it's just me, I get excited. I'm like, oh, it's a 928. I'm just excited to see that it actually runs. <laughs> yeah, there were no British cars on this list that I, I could tell. I, I think yeah, another Aston Martin V Advantage. Oh yeah, there right. was a Mini, the John Cooper Works. Yeah, yeah the well, I guess that's BMW technically. BMW. Never mind. And then that that Aston Martin's a Ford, but that's a whole other story. I think it's a neat list, and if you're thinking about what's sitting in your driveway or what's in your garage, I think it's a great opportunity to kind of review the list. Maybe take some financial advice from Forbes and hang on to that thing instead of trading it in on whatever the latest you know Nissan Leaf is that's coming out you know, next week. Something to consider. Except for you, Andrew, get rid of those Vipers. You said Nissan Leaf, and I think the only electric car out of those 67 cars was the Polestar. The Polestar 1, which I didn't even know was available for sale. There's only an early making like 1,500 of them, which is going to make it super rare. Uh, and I don't even think that's 1,500 that are coming to the United States. I think it's just 1,500 global, maybe. I've never seen a Polestar actually in the wild. Well, speaking of Polestars, actually, while everybody else is having chip shortages, apparently Polestar and Volvo and Geely are, uh, had a little, uh, little nest egg hoarding of uh, chips. The Polestar 2 is coming it is actually arriving. And at what dealership? No, at the Polestar dealership. I don't know. Okay. I think they get delivered to your driveway. Oh, so it's www.polestar.com? Okay, cool. 
Yes. No, I mean, they are there that to sounds order. Like a, that sounds like a different website, Eric. <laughs> no, but you know, like the pictures of it, I would be interested to see this one in person because it's not as sedan-y as the first one. It's like, if you just take the outline of it, I'm like, that is very flat back GT coupe with the rise on, on the back glass, boxy front end too, <laughs> not very aerodynamic. <laughs> be interested to see one of these but again they'll probably only make like two of them available and they start at around $45,900. There's one in Baltimore. I can give you the address if you want to go look at it. There you go. They do exist. Polestar was throwing this car in our face during the Super Bowl showing mm. us all sorts of things and poking fun at Tesla and VW and Dieselgate and everybody they could poke a finger at that they did. We're going to talk more about the Super Bowl commercials, even though we know it's a little bit late that we're covering them, but you know, they were right up at the front of the ones that got my attention. And now you're seeing that ad constantly, which again, begs the question, when people see this car, they're going to go, well, where can I find it? Where can I go drive it? You know, nobody's going to order a car and have it show up at their house without test driving it first. A lot of people say you buy with your eyes. So yeah, if it looks good and all that, but then it shows up and you're like, man, this thing drives like garbage. I mean, I don't know. I, I would like to go to a Polestar dealer. If they're in bed with Volvo or whoever, fine. Let me know where it is that I can go see this car and test it out for myself. There are several different Polestar places to begin a test drive, spaces, events, destinations. Each one will have a Polestar specialist on hand to assist with the test drive and help familiarize you with the car, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm on Polestar's so, website. Trying so to which, which flea market in the middle of Omaha am I going to to go drive this thing? So you can go to Polestar, you got to set up uh, an appointment, or they can bring the car to you. We'll meet you at your chosen location. A Polestar specialist will meet you there with a Polestar car, at which point your test drive will begin. <laughs> Alrighty then. How bougie. It's like Carvana. <laughs> they come to you. We talked about that list of collectible cars, and we mentioned on several episodes in the past you know, the price of cars are going up, especially new cars. And I think it was last month, we talked about how is the new freshly minted professional straight out of college going to afford a new EV when they're off to work for the first time. And so there was a list that was put together of the cheapest new electric cars you can buy in 2022. There's 11 of them. The prices range from 28,000 to 45,000. So the cheapest one is at 28,000, which is the Nissan Leaf all the way up to the most expensive one was the uh, Q4 e-tron. Yeah, and everything in between, the Chevy Bolt is on the lower end. The Mazda MX-30 is going to be on the lower end at 34000 I want to drive none of these. No, I don't know that I don't. I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind test driving any of these, honestly. But I just look at this and I'm, I don't know. I guess because my cars are so seasoned, if you will, old. I just like 43 thousand plus <gasps> and this is quote cheap <laughs> i don't know what that means that's the reality of the car market these days though <sighs> car prices are constantly going up yeah i guess and i don't oh. i don't appreciate that because i'm a i'm not in the market so i'm not, never really looking this well, is like wow that Corolla comes out. Yeah, that's true but let's flip that around. If you do a one-for-one one comparison, right? The ID4, which is on this list from Volkswagen, clocks in at 41 grand. GTIs are selling in the mid to high 30s, let's say five years ago. The prices on them have come down because obviously sales are down. When a GTI was commanding almost 40 grand after markup and warranties and all that, and you say, well, I can get an all-electric for 41. The people that are in the market for a GTI 
aren't in the market for an ID4, I don't think, especially the people that are buying the $40,000 GTI, because that's the GT, that's the R. The yeah. Golf R is 40. So they're looking for a specific car. They're not in the market for an ID4. Yeah. And the but people I, I that, understand what you're saying, though. And the people that do have ID4s or are in the market for the ID4 might also be holding out for the ID Buzz, right? The, the van that's coming. Now, that's something that I'm interested in because we've talked a couple of times about how, you know, my family is growing and expanding and doing this, that, and the other. And we might be in the market for a bigger vehicle. And I'm curious as to what the ID Buzz is going to be like compared to our current fleet, which is a, a Honda Pilot. So it I'm, looks stay small. Tuned for it does look See, small. It looks and that's small. The thing. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be the same size as like a micro bus. Then it's a no go because I need something at least expedition size. It's definitely. <laughs> my wife and I looked at it too because she thinks it's super cute. Not in that yellow color that they keep showing it in on the press releases. But what we realize the camera angles are very targeted. They don't want you to see it specifically it's a two row vehicle it's not three row seating which means it's not a minivan size oh, and when, you come, when, when you look at the proportions of the doors and if you kind of take careful measurements between the front seat and the back seat a lot of times they'll show with the seat folded down so it looks bigger than it is i think it's built on like a car chassis of some sort it's not a minivan it, to your point it's a micro bus that being said What's it going to cost? Is it going to be the same price point as the ID4? Is it going to be more expensive because it's the hot new hotness? Maybe I walk back my statement from before. There's nothing on this list that I would want. Obviously, the Audi is going to command a certain level of luxury and things that we're accustomed to in every Audi. The only one that I put a star next to was the Mach-E. It's on the higher end of the spectrum at 44 grand, but I look at the Mach-E, it's a good looking car. I get that it's a Ford Escape underneath with all the bells and whistles on top of it. I don't, I don't know. It's the only one that I would want out of this list. If, if you told me these are the, the 10 or 11 cars that I'm only able to buy tomorrow, I would pick the Ford. Okay, if you forced me and said, you have to have picked off this list tomorrow or else, man, I, would I think I would pick- wagon. I would pick the mini, you know, and that's the only one that looks like a normal car too. Exactly. Why? Exactly. Why? <laughs> and it's cheap. It's like 31 grand. So is that really any more expensive than a Cooper S, you know, fully loaded with all the bells and whistles? And not that I necessarily want a mini. I would want it because it is literally the only car on this list. Traditional car. Yeah. Yeah. I, I At first I was confused. I was like, why is this thing even on here? Because it's just, why did they put a mini on here by mistake? I guess we would be remiss if we didn't talk about EVs and include Tesla. And speaking of price of electric vehicles, apparently, um, you know, what happens to that whole Model 2? We're going to bring you an EV at 20 grand or whatever that brouhaha hubbala boo was. Because now apparently Tesla has increased their prices across the board for all their models. So the cheapest model you can buy, the Model 3, now starts at $47,000. Oh, that's the one that was supposed to be 35 grand. The car for the masses that everybody was going to drive an electric car and they're going to drive a $35,000 Tesla. Apparently the masses can all afford $50,000, you know, loans now. I don't get it. Uh, well, apparently. And and if uh, you were of the masses that wanted the the Model X, what was that? Or like SUV thing. The mm. Model X is, it got like, I believe the steepest price hike. It went up 10 grand is now 114 nine nine the model x or the model yeah the model x is the big guy yeah, model okay. x the big one 
prices increase anywhere from, you know, a couple grand to $10,000 across their lineup. I think the Model S went up like five. The Model Y went up it's a, a couple. It is a percentage hike across the board or they just chose random amounts? I, I don't know. It talked about obviously inflation. So now we got to increase prices, but what the basis <laughs> was, I mean, part of the Model X, they're like, well, the Model X never saw a price increase or barely a price hike this whole time. So they made yeah, up for whatever. lost time. I, I don't know. That's uh, BS. The problem is they're no longer receiving funds for the gas credits that all these other manufacturers were giving them. So they need to find a way to make up for that lost revenue. As you said before, Brad, this is no different than the Apple model. This is why a brand new iPhone costs $1,100, right? They keep slowly bringing prices up on everything. They're following the same thing, proprietary charging, all this kind of stuff. You know, oh, it's all branded together. It's the Apple model. I mean, it is what it is. There's a reason why Apple is what the most valuable company in the world or one of the most valuable companies in the world. They're like drug dealer. They They got you hooked. They got you hooked and think you can't live without it. And then so you're just like, well, I got to have it. So, you know, what's another hundred bucks? What's another hundred bucks? You know, not not even what's another hundred bucks that eleven hundred dollars. You mean what's another forty dollars a month? Because we're all renting shit these days. Nobody's buying anything. We're all renting our iPhones. You can barely go into a store and actually buy an iPhone outright. They're all like, oh, well, we'll just tack it onto your plan. You don't yeah. have to come out of cash at all. The phone companies are doing this shit to us too. They're in cahoots collusion with Apple. <laughs> Forever unclean. <laughs> <laughs> Now, speaking of other ways to earn income and some shady, sketchy things, possibly, did you know, I feel like I should have known, or maybe I did and I forgot, but Tesla, they're underwriting their own insurance for their cars. We we talked about this a season or two ago that that we were trying to figure out how they were going to go about doing this. It was a whole thing. I don't remember exactly what we said, but yeah, we did talk about this before. Apparently, I guess it was mainly in California where this was happening, but now they're starting to increase the breadth of of states for which you can apply for Tesla insurance. And on the one hand, it's like, okay, cool, I guess. Uh, On the other hand... What's the ad campaign for that? 15 minutes just cost you 15 grand Tesla insurance. (laughs) I I think they had to do this or they thought they had to do this because their customers were complaining about being able to get insurance for their vehicles for one reason or another. I don't know exactly because of the insuring an electric vehicle was was hard or difficult or something. I can only imagine that the way they figure out those tables and all that, when you're dealing with something so new as an electric vehicle, they have nothing to compare it to. So yeah, a brake rotor is a brake rotor and, and a shock is a shock. But at the end of the day, when you're in an accident and you have all these cameras and radar and LIDAR and batteries and all this, there's nothing to compare it to. So I can only imagine that, you know, Geico and Allstate and farmers and everybody's going, I don't even know where to start on how to insure these things. And it's probably insane. How do they total an EV, something as, you know, complicated as a Tesla? You scratch the door and it's totaled. Well, that's what happens with the Lotuses, right? If you ding the clamshell on an Elise, the car's basically salvage at that point because it's almost unfixable. Although anybody that could do carbon fiber or fiberglass can probably fix it. But the insurance companies will write those cars off in in a heartbeat. Plus, I think the fact that Tesla has kept everything in-house 
So it's not like insurance adjusters can say, okay, here's a $15,000 check, go down to Joe Blow Body Shop down the street and get your car fixed. I don't think Tesla lets their customers do that. You have to go to Tesla, which raises the cost even more. Where is that again? For the insurance company. Where do I take it to again? <laughs> you, do you I drop drive? it? Do I drop it off at Kohl's and then somebody takes it to Tesla's? <laughs> no. So you 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 get a buddy and you open the double wide doors at the mall where they drive in all the Jaguars because nobody uh, buys a Jag. They're all at the malls. And then you drive into Tyson's Corner to the Tesla shop uh, right next to the Apple store in between the Apple store and the Microsoft store. And then you just park your Tesla in the middle of the showroom and say, here, fix this. At the Genius Bar? Yeah, it's the genius bar. You drive to the genius bar in your car. My my only concern for something like this is something that Progressive tried to do several years ago. And luckily that seemed to fizzle out. And I don't think anybody else is doing it anymore, or maybe they are. They offered you that little pod to plug into your car so that you could save on your insurance by letting us track you as a good driver. And it's like, yeah, that's a terrible idea. And basically that's what this is going to be based off of. Like your premium or your good driving is going to be based on them recording all of your driving habits inside the Tesla. So it's like, okay, at what point do I now get penalized because I wanted to see how, you know, I wanted to see the zero to 60 in two seconds and suddenly I'm getting flagged on my insurance report. I mean, that <laughs> premium goes up. When, once we have autonomous driving level 37, it's all irrelevant because the cars well, will have to abide yeah. by the speed limits yep. because they're Johnny cabs and none of it's really that important. I, I hate to break it to you folks. When that happens, enjoy going 55 miles an hour. There will not be 70 on 95 in the left lane anymore. It's not going to happen. Well, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a hurricane coming through Florida. Tesla sent a software patch and gave all of the people that own Teslas in that area more range or more performance or, or something yeah. to get out of the area quickly. Now, I don't know who's read a Tesla contract in the fine print and everything, but if they can give you, they can take away. 100%. So if you've got a loan, you've got a Tesla, Tesla Model S, you've got your loan through Tesla, you're five days late on your payment because this, that, and the other. Tesla can throttle back your performance, throttle back your car, you know, so you can't drive it until you make your loan payment. Yeah, they can break your car until that scares the shit out of me. And to Tanya's point, I take my Tesla to the drag strip. I've got a Tesla plaid and I want to blow the doors off my buddy's Dodge Viper. And I do one run down the drag strip and all of a sudden Tesla's like, oh, we're going to throttle your performance until we can re-underwrite your insurance to make it so you're paying $5,000 a year versus the $2,500 a year. It's the same as the scam that the cellular companies are doing where you pay for unlimited bandwidth up to a certain gig of bytes and then you throttle it down. So it's not unlimited. It's, It's going to be the same thing. Again, it's the Apple model. It's turtles all the way down. Which, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the old coal towns where people would work for the coal companies. They weren't paid in actual currency. They were paid in coal chips or whatever. And then you use those to buy a house owned by the coal company. And you shopped at the general store owned by the coal company. It's called called Bitcoin. uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See, this exactly, you're living in their coal, the new modern day coal country. 100%. Which is also powering the electricity that charges. The, but I'll leave that where it is. Never mind. Speaking of taking your Tesla to the 
drag strip. What about taking it to the racetrack, right? Uh, We've seen some people do that. And apparently someone, you know, whoever commissioned this uh, lap at VIR Grand Course in a Model S Plaid Edition modified, apparently with aftermarket carbon ceramic front brakes, I guess they went there to contest the Porsche Taycan track record there. And apparently it beats the Porsche Taycan record by four and a half seconds. So it did a lap at VIR in two minutes and 50.7 as a time. Interesting. Maybe you can watch a video of the laps. I will say the pucker moment going the uphill S's where he almost binned it was like, whoo, that was a... Luckily, he recovered, so good good on that professional driver, but that was a bit of a scary moment, or could have been a scary moment. I hate these kind of things, because it's not the same driver who drove the Taycan, so, you know, what was the day of the week, the weather, the conditions, I would like to see these done, and I'm not saying, you know, that it's necessarily not faster or not, but I would just like to see it, you know, the same driver get in and out of the car. On the same day. At least that you have that apples to apples comparison and can i just say why not do this on vir full why does it have to be grand in the you know no pun intended grand scheme of things i guarantee you there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of more laps on vir full than there are on vir grand so why not pick a course that people can relate to i've never driven grand 250 okay that sounds great i don't care Give me a sub two minutes on VIR full. That's I want to see something like that. Well, the, the reason is when you do VIR Grand, for those that aren't familiar with the course, you could go try it maybe on Forza or some other game or iRacing or something like that. Depending on the configuration, Grand East or Grand West, I can't remember which one is which, either way, it cuts that 7,000 foot straightaway down into two pieces. So if the Porsche has an advantage on top speed that equalizes it with the Tesla because they're not using the full length of the straightaways by cutting up the course, adding Patriot in and doing all that kind of stuff. Is it a fair comparison to your point? No, because nobody tests on grand. You Mm -hmm. don't see car and driver and road and track going to VIR and they always test on VIR full. So yes, I, I would love to see this redone. Obviously there's a lot of politics when you do a shootout. It's easier to do when, you know, somebody independent owns all the cars that can take their GT3 and their Tesla and their, their ZL1 Camaro and everything that was on that Forbes list to VIR and do a shootout. But Porsche is never going to formally challenge Tesla in a race. The only record that matters, I think, in this comparison is a Tesla model plaid against a Taycan Turbo or whatever it is, dollar for dollar at the Nürburgring with a professional driver that knows the track behind the wheel of both of the cars. I think that's the more fair shootout. And the best part about this is that even in the article, they make a clarification. This story has been updated to clarify that because the Model S Plaid was modified, its lap time is not directly comparable. I'm going to repeat that part. Not directly comparable to the lightning lap results of the Taycan Turbo S. So what the F are we talking about here? We're talking about about apples and chainsaws. That's what we're talking about. We're we're talking about a regular Mazda Miata and a SSM Miata doing lap times. It's uncomparable. Yep. Go away, Tesla. Well, they're not going away quite yet. So next time we talked about this a while ago, the next time you found yourself in an airport, once you could fly at an airport again, which now is the time, and you needed to go get a rental car that you would be able to get a 
Hertz Model 3. And so apparently that had that contract has come to fruition. And not only has that one come to fruition, but they are expanding the contract further and are going to have another 100,000 vehicles, the Model Y, as a Hertz rental. And actually, this is going to tie into something a little bit later. Let's keep that in the back of our heads. Tesla rental cars. Basically, it hurts my wallet just to think about this. Tesla is doing what GM did. We can't sell our cars, so we'll make them rental cars. Which is where all the Impalas and the Malibus ended up. Tanya, when was the last time you drove an Impala? God, it's my nightmares. <laughs> but let's move on to something a little bit more fun. Now that our expectations have been lowered, let's review... Lowered expectations... Let's review the Super Bowl commercials. And I know we're a little late to the game on this because there's been so many other things that we've needed to cover over the winter of 21 and 22. So let's get around to talking about these Super Bowl commercials. So there was the Schwarzenegger, Salma Hayek, BMW electric car commercial, which I liked in the sense that I liked it because it was Schwarzenegger. I thought he was funny. Him singing was funny. The fact that it was like a car commercial, I don't know. Okay, it was because the BMW showed up eventually. But other than that, meh. (laughs) To me, I like this one the best because of Salma Hayek. That's kind of funny. You liked it because of Arnold. I liked it because of Salma. This is definitely not my favorite. No, that one's not my favorite. Then we alluded to the Polestar commercial, which was very simplistic. It was almost like a black screen. Just had some words that kept coming up. Know this, know that, you know, no conquering Mars. That was clearly a, a they, Tesla dig. No diesel gate. They, yeah. No diesel had, gate. Oh my God. Polestar had the gloves off. They're coming at everybody saying, mm, mm, look what I got. Look what I got. None so, of that bullshit you got. None of that blah, 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 they said. So that's pretty funny. Clever way of doing it i guess we'll see how well they actually do when we start seeing more of them on the road though so then we had the chevy silverado electric truck which i'm so confused by now what the hell so this is basically a rivian then yes isn't it yes okay okay then i'm not confused anymore because i'm just gonna buy the rivian instead who cares right yeah that was such an unmemorable commercial too like whoever the heck that was she was driving they said something soprano something i don't even know and then like she's driving around and then she like pulls over <laughs> or she parks wherever she was going I don't isn't know. yeah this is meadow soprano she was the daughter yeah okay sure yeah, this is jamie lynn siegler that doesn't help me also on entourage all righty well there was that commercial for anyone who's interested that obviously was not a favorite of the group here here's my favorite one i really liked this one as well yeah. the toyota tundra Keeping up with the Joneses, Jonas commercial was <laughs> funny. <laughs> who, the, who, who the hell are you? I'm Jonas. That was the best part. We'll try to keep up, whoever you are. <laughs> Plus, it had Tom Jones music playing. I mean, it was great. And it was nice to see Tommy Lee Jones. It was like, where, where'd he go? It was He's nice so to alive. see Rashida Jones. <laughs> <laughs> moving on i'm in for leslie jones what are you talking about <laughs> then there was the kia ev6 commercial with the electric robot dog and they had the total eclipse of the heart song playing this was like one of those emotional i think commercials they're like the poor dog he's trying to chase the kia and he can't and then he jumps off the building to be with the Kia and his batteries drain and he can't 
nail his landing and was just like did we just kill a, a robot dog in this commercial i was so want want about this commercial i was just like is it over yet is it over yet <laughs> and then he plugged in he took like the charger from the kia and plugged it into the robot dog and charged him or something yeah. <laughs> i was confused i didn't know where the commercial was going for the longest time and i was like we just killed the dog but okay but then we revived the dog so the key is wonderful. You can charge your other electronic devices with it. Like your dog. My dog would get very mad if I tried showing a cable up his butt. Do not plug your, your charger <laughs> into your biological dog. I want to see this commercial redone, Black Mirror edition, with those crazy, like, robot dog, the real robot dogs, like, chasing the Kia down the road and the Kia explodes. Like, that would be the commercial for me. Like, that would be awesome. <laughs> Anything where IKEA explodes, I think, is for you. <laughs> How did we feel about the General Motors commercial? There was With a General, General Motors. General commercial. Motors. We're With having Dr. a conversation. Evil. So, evil. Eric asked earlier, "What is General Motors doing?" They're having a conversation. That's it. So they do a lot of talking. Dude, I mean, why resurrect something from literally twenty years ago that the young generation? I mean, obviously, it's targeted at us. But nobody, Austin Powers. Exactly. It's targeted at, at this generation that would recognize that because this generation is the more likely to be able to go out and buy one of these. Yeah. We're the generation that still buys cars. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. We're fine. Think, we got our driver's licenses. Austin Powers movies are showing up on Turner Classic Movies these days. I mean, none of the young generation is watching this stuff. I wasn't a fan of it. I mean, it was interesting in the respect to see all the characters were there, like the actual, like, all the actors and actresses came back, but it was, someone said it was cringy and, and yeah, it was a little yeah, bit cringy, I guess. Yeah, it was. It's just not, it, Austin Powers was funny for a hot minute and I have fond memories of it, but going back, it's unwatchable in a way. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's cringy. There is one that you forgot on this list before we get to the ultimate one here is the Jason Bateman Hyundai Ionic 5 commercial, which is now playing all over the place where we got to see it for the first time outside of the pictures what did you guys think about that one i don't remember it because apparently i missed it he's just driving around basically they keep shooting to him inside the car and he's talking about you see it on regular broadcast now but it did air for a hot second during the broadcast i'm just yeah i don't don't remember it either then there's the ultimate my personal favorite video i'm glad you saved it for last i did quite enjoy this one as well this was the the nissan the new nissan z thriller movie it was like the thriller movie and it was starring eugene levy as an action star it was like a fast and the furious parody kind of movie that he was pretending to be in as he's driving the nissan z all around it was awesome did anybody (laughs) recognize the fourth gen f body chasing him mad max style any any, (laughs) anybody and am i the only am i the only f body fan it was the camaro right so I can't tell from the front end, it looks like a Firebird. From the back end, it looks like Camaro taillights. Yeah. So I'm going to go. With- I, don't, I don't know enough. I thought it was a Camaro, all like in Mad Max gear. Yeah, I think it's a Camaro. Well, regardless. Okay. This is, a, this is a Z commercial. What are you worried about an F body for? Well, he drove Z, over it. Z28. Z28. No. Z400 is where it's at, dude. So the only thing I, I, the only thing I don't like about the Z is that that color that yellow i'm not a fan of it i think it looks better in other colors that i've seen 
I haven't seen one yet in black or silver or the burgundy, the disease came in a long time ago. I want to see some of the other dots and colors that just were available back then. It that needs yellow, to be in that, that brown that that SUV's in. Yeah, oh. that, that metallic brown, the disease came in. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But it's still a good looking car. The more I see it, the more I like it. I cannot wait to test drive one. I feel like I'm being teased though kind of like that electric DeLorean where it's like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And, and it just, it's not here yet. You know, you look on Nissan's website, it doesn't say anything about the Z other than, you know, promotion. It doesn't say available models. You know, I can drive to the local Toyota dealer here and there's Zupra's sitting out on the lot. There's just, there's no Z's right now. I, I don't get it. Thank you for that tidbit of information because I've been trying to get into a Zupra just to, to poke around. We had six of them for like forever. Like they wouldn't, they couldn't move them. I'll have to come up to your dealership, but it's to, to the point about the, the color in the video, he pulls up next to a brand new Nissan EV in like a metallic Brown. And I think that color would be perfect on that car. To me, it looks a lot like a, a GR86 or BRZ. I think the burrs and the furs were modified to look like the Z during their facelift that they just recently got that, because that we, be, yeah. we we've seen the Z now for several years in this configuration that it was coming and it, it's just been delayed again. I like it and I'm ecstatic to go drive one. And I think this commercial was the yeah. best out of the bunch. I love the taillights. I love the whole back end of the car. It's very, very iconic and very of a period, but it looks good. It's proportioned well. I don't think it's going to be a big car, which I'm totally a fan of. And I'm I'm a huge advocate for the fact that it comes with a manual. And again, I want to drive one on, I want to drive one and I want to be in one on track. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm not even mad that it's a three liter twin turbo because the 400 horse that is coming with, that's why I keep calling it the Z400. That's nothing to sneeze at. Okay. So quick question for you, because you're always kind of in the market for a car some, somewhere in this price range, Dodge Viper or Z400? I can't get a fifth gen ACR for that kind of money. If I had to buy a new car today, everything being you know equal, I would buy the Z. And I have to own a French car at some point in my life, so it's going to happen. But <laughs> that's the closest I'll ever get. But no, in reality, I think that if it's true, the price point and everything that they're saying about the Z, it's going to be a bargain. What I'm hoping is that they don't do like they did with the introduction of the C8. The C8 was supposed to be this, you can be all in for 55 grand or 60 grand or whatever they were saying. And then suddenly it was 110. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. So I don't want this bait and switch to occur with the Z where I show up at the dealership and go, all right, man, it's a hard pill to swallow at 52 K, but this car does everything and checks all the boxes. It's worth it. If you don't buy it now, it will be 110 grand in two years when everybody realizes just how good it is. That That's my thing. That, and that, I'm sticking to it for now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of the ridiculousness of prices of things these days, I guess it would be unfair if we didn't talk about some rich people um, doing rich people things. Rich people things. Got something on the list. We're going, we're, we're revisiting something that we've already visited before. Mm. And that is the Bugatti baby too. Remember that, that little gem. Yeah. With I the, bought with... one for Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it with the speed key? Of course. Oh. Excellent. <laughs> Nothing but the best for my little one. <laughs> oh man, that's that's fantastic. Well, obviously, you know, these exist, but why it's back in the news is 
Bugatti was doing a celebration of its racing history and they were doing GP in an ice race. They brought, you know, a type 51 Bugatti to, to do that, but they also brought the little EV baby two with them. And they, they outfitted it with a limited slip studded tires. I mean, they did some modifications to this and they went ice racing with it. Nice. Now that sounds pretty epic. That's some spec racing that needs to happen right there. On ice and snow or whatever those conditions were, if they were using the speed key version, I mean, they're, they're getting up to 42 miles, an hour. miles an hour. So that's on ice. That's on like, ice. You're and that, th- that thing, it thinks like a little go-kart. I mean, it's, it's small. The question is, did it beat the original? You know, I don't think they talk about that, but that would be interesting. Well, that's always fun. So if you have an extra, you know, 70 grand laying around for an electric go-kart, that's the way to go, right? Now, we can't wait for the Bugatti Baby 3 to come out. So we'll have to wait and see what that looks like. As we move away from champagne wishes and caviar dreams to the complete opposite spectrum of stories. Swamp and alligators and beer going down to florida oh lord have mercy going down to florida so we got a couple stops throughout florida and our first one this is just dumb yes i mean obviously dumb but you know it's a one of those warnings for the rest of us the the repercussions of intoxicated driving or intoxicated behaviors a a public service announcement public service announcement if you will this dude (laughs) the mugshot picture is not very flattering so i'm not entirely sure all the things he was on however he but was he on tiger king he might have been i mean he's got like a scratch across his face he might have gotten scratched by a tiger i don't know please don't drink and drive people okay let's just put that out there but this guy of course there's always one you know, chose to be out, you know, 1 a.m. He's on the wrong side of the road. He's driving in the middle of the night, got no headlights on. Cops see him, decide they're going to try and pull him over. Of course, he's not going to have any of that. So what does any logical person do? You're not logical when you're strung out or, or drunk, right? The logic of a drunk person says to drive through the fence to the local golf course, drive across the golf course, drive into a pond, Abandon your vehicle and then try to hide in the little swampy marsh area. <laughs> You're going to go undetected <laughs> by the popo. What is the stroke penalty for driving your car into a water hazard? I think he was, uh, what is it, bogey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he bogeyed all right. No, so then you got that guy, but then you have some good spirited people. That despite bad circumstance that happens to them, that befalls them, they still have a positive outlook on it. You got a guy that's walking out of a convenience store. All he wanted to do was grab his 12 pack or 24 pack, go do God knows what in Florida for the rest of the day. And as he's leaving, go to his local golf course, check the pond, you know, Mm -hmm. to see if there's any valuables, any salvageable trucks. And, you know, he's walking out of the store and you got some crazy dude, probably the same dude that was driving the golf course. This is stopping in the parking space and just drives into the entrance of this convenience store as dude is walking out. So he gets hit. He gets hit by this car. And as they're taking him away on a stretcher, he obviously sustained some injuries and whatnot. Not life-threatening. He asked the cops if his beer was okay. (laughs) 
Is it still cold? <laughs> now that's a half glass full kind of outlook, isn't it? Looking for the ray of sunshine after getting struck. Save, save, save those beers. I'm gonna need them when I get out of the hospital. Yeah, exactly. You gonna bring them for my IV? I paid good money for them beers. They didn't see that the 21 year old woman who hit him was intoxicated. She just hit the wrong pedal. Was that the reason? She tried to hit the brake and, and got the gas. Unintended yeah. acceleration. Yes. Did you say 21 or 201? The 21 year old girl. 21. Well, maybe if you were filming a TikTok video at the same time, you got a little confused and forgot where you were, you know, because you were doing a dance step in the car. And so then your feet, you know, you You got two pedals, two pedals to worry about. You had a 50 50 chance. Okay. (laughs) This time it didn't work out. Got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. You know, there's a theme going on with really poor driving and uh, intoxicated driving. So this next one, the heroism of this police officer, thank God for her and her bravery, because a lot of guts to do what she did. So she was stationed to assist in a 10K run that was taking place on part of this highway. And this cray drunk lunatic somehow evaded barricades and other officers that were, you know, posted on along the route. And she started driving towards the runners. Basically she was in a, in a, in a path towards the runners and this brave police officer, when she saw that she basically put herself in the way of a front end collision. You can see the video because they got the dash cam from the cop and like she took full force hit however fast that drunkard was going. Luckily she was okay and everything, but thank goodness for that. Those people were spared or that would have been freaking horrific news. We alluded to something earlier, Teslas and rental cars. Oh man, here we go. Nothing good apparently can come of it. Because if you heard what happened recently in Los Angeles, so now we're going across the country here. We're in LA. And they said apparently some dude got a rental of some sort, Model S, and he decided to go reenact some Dukes of Hazard stuff. And he shot off this LA kind of neighborhood street, came down. You can see video of it because, of course, you know, you're recording yourself so you can post it on YouTube and incriminate yourself because these people are geniuses. And the 20 other people standing around recording it as well. Yeah, exactly. He smashes down on the front end. I'm like, hey, surprised like an explode or something given such an impact on the battery. But I'm sure the safety feature should have disengaged everything. But he's he's lucky the car didn't flip end over end the way. No it kidding. Out. It was quite the steep fall. But upon his landing, he took out somebody's Subaru Forester that was parked. So this guy wakes up in the morning to his car like destroyed on the street corner. And apparently there was another Tesla sitting around. So dude abandons this now totaled Tesla and just leaves. And there's a positive to this. He flew through the air, landed, impaled a Subaru and walked away. Think about it. That Tesla is a tank. That's a good thing. I mean, it does say something, I guess, to the crash integrity of a Model S. And the fact that it didn't Chernobyl when it crashed. Yeah, that part was more impressive. It, it, I think it'll take about, it's going to Chernobyl two weeks later in the impound lot. It's smoldering currently. Yeah, I think I saved the best for last. Okay, yeah. back in Orlando, and this woman, yeah, she had a little bit too much to drink. They're trying to get her off the plane, put her back in the terminal, get her to sober up, dispatch the police <laughs> terminal cops. He arrived by bicycle, which I've never. I normally see the segways. I don't think I've seen a bicycle in the airport, but nonetheless, the woman decided to evade him 
And apparently she had some sort of luggage called a moto bag, which is an electric scooter slash luggage. (laughs) So she got on her little scooter luggage and there was a chase through the airport (laughs) at eight miles an hour. Eight miles an hour. You know, he really needs one of those Bianchis. Well, let's face it. Paul Blart can't run eight miles an hour. So that's a hell of a chase, right? I mean, normal person, probably you're walking a couple, three, four miles an hour, five if you're really power walking, I would assume. So, I mean, eight, she was zipping. I love how she's sitting there drinking. He's coming up to her. She's like, F you, man, I'm out. And she just pulls away on her luggage. So is that driving under the influence? Definitely a DUI. It's (laughs) It's definitely a private road. I want to see like more slalom action from this suitcase. I could also see this now becoming an event at Hyperfest where, you know, screw the power wheels. We're just going to ride luggage down roller coaster at BIR. So why not? I don't know what's better. The fact that she gets stopped or the fact that she gets stopped like four or five times and still rides away after each time. Well, Cause what are you going to do as a bike cop inside an airport? You're just going to, I mean, I'm not going to tackle you. <laughs> <laughs> so the then there's, so there's a little bit of icing to this story too is they do finally apprehend her whatever and you know she was yelling at the cops and allegedly spitting and you know whatever so they get her into the patrol car and apparently <laughs> she does a little business in the backseat <laughs> oh no uh, yeah, she's she's facing up to five years in prison for all these shenanigans. So that I don't know if that was worth it. Oh man. She's got that weaponized COVID. Only in Florida. Folks, I guess it's time for us to go behind the pit wall and talk about motorsports news. And here we are at the tail end of March. And you know, a lot of the racing season has begun, but it's still pretty much in its infancy. There's never an unending amount of drama over in the Formula One side of motorsports. I will start off with more serious news before I pass the baton off to Brad to catch us up on all the things that have happened in the world of Formula One. Michael Andretti has officially submitted his American Formula One team plans. Yay! Oh, that was the somber news? Yeah, that was pretty much it. (laughs) He didn't say, he said serious, more serious news, which I'm all for an Andretti team in Formula One. I guess maybe he'll take over the Haas team or something. I don't know. I I think that would make, that would make sense. Yeah. Especially with everything that's going on. I don't see them adding another team with two more drivers to make the field 22 cars. I don't see that happening. So he's got to take over for somebody else. Cool. Good on him. I hope he's got enough money to do it for more than one year. Well, since you brought up a Haas, that's a great way to talk about what's been going on. Yeah, so F1 raced last week, Bahrain. Haas, you know, I'm sure everybody knows what's going on in the Ukraine. uh, And because of sanctions and this, that, and the other, and social influence, global social influence around the world, people are basically cutting ties with anything that has to do with Russia, including the Haas race team. They had a Russian driver, Nikita Mazepin. His father was the main team sponsor, his company, basically- Ural Kalai or something? Yeah, Ural Kalai. They were an agricultural company. Basically, Haas cut ties with them, ripped up their contract, and then fired his son, uh, and then in doing so, they brought on Kevin Magnuson, who used to race for Haas prior to last year. It was a good turnout. Kevin Magnuson got fifth place in the race. That's know, awesome. Qualif- qualified in seventh, I believe. Finished in fifth. It helps that both Red Bulls and one of the uh, AlphaTauri cars DNF'd. 
that freed up a couple spots ahead of him. But it was an excellent showing from Haas, who, if we all remember last year, finished dead last and second to dead last the entire (laughs) season. Well, because they made a strategic plan instead of investing a ton of money into building a competitive car for one season, when all the regulations were changing for the next year, they elected to say F that they took all their resources, put it into the new car and just said, we're going to run last year's car and we're just going to give these rookie drivers some experience. That's what we're going to do. I mean, even Schumacher came in in 11, now he missed the points it's clear that the new Haas car is competitive. Well, I can't wait to see how they spin this on drive to survive. Oh, wait, I can wait because I haven't watched a single episode yet. And it's probably for good reason because now formula one is chasing Netflix saying there is undue drama in that series. So I don't know who to believe anymore. Right. Maybe I just got to go back to watching the races. I still think you should watch Drive to Survive. It's very interesting. But yes, there is a lot of made up controversy and confrontation and soap opera-ness to the whole thing. Okay, so is it is it Bravo level of like reality television, like Real Housewives of Orange County? Or is it I don't think it's Bravo level, but one thing I will say strikes me as genuine is the hatred between Toto Wolf and Christian Horner. That I think is 100% dead on. I think those two hate each other's guts and it, it comes through in the, in the show, but I don't think Lando and Danny Rick have an issue with each other. I don't think Lando hates Carlos signs. You know, they tried to play up those aspects because I guess otherwise gone are the days of the big rivalries, like, like Senna and Prost like the, yeah. or Hunt and, Hunt and Lada. I think those days are over with. So they're trying to make it, they're trying to make something out of nothing. But another thing about the F1 race this, this past weekend, Ferrari came in one, two for the first time Woo! since 2000, 2018. I think it was 2018 at the same track. Or was it even further back than that? They only did it once in 2018. <laughs> yeah. So it was good to see Ferrari at the front of the pack. One of the fastest cars out there. What's the deal with the Red Bulls and the fuel pump? Wouldn't we all like to know, including Red Bull, I think, <laughs> but uh, they haven't really disclosed too much information, but the cars failed because the engines were starved for fuel. We all hear all the time that lean is mean, but apparently too lean is not that mean. And Mercedes is having issues. Is that what I also heard? There was some speculation and talk during the testing that Mercedes cars weren't up to their usual standards. They did Okay. I mean, they came in third and fourth, so they're not terrible. Obviously, if the Red Bulls were there, though, they would have been a little further back. They're not running away with it like they have in previous years. The gap has been closed between the front and the back, which is good. It's it's good for racing, I think. Well, it's going to be really hard to divert our attention away from GT and prototype racing, especially as we build up to Le Mans 2023. I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to GT4, GT3, and GT2 racing this season. And, you know, Not to spoil anything that's coming down the pike, but we're going to definitely going to be talking a lot more about touring car, GT racing, and prototypes and things like that in the months to follow. That's my second love right next to World Rally. So I guess we'll see what happens there. But in other news, Porsche has debuted a sexy new car for Gran Turismo 7. <laughs> I have to chuckle at this because A, number one, I feel like Gran Turismo 7 took 100 years to come out. And B, number two, 
this Porsche, it's cool looking. I wish it was a real car, but it also kind of reminds me of that. Remember that Nike car that was in like Gran Turismo 4? You know, that they like made up and it was like the fastest car in the game. I feel like this is like the same thing. Slap a Porsche badge on it, call it a day. I mean, if it's a way to drive people to PlayStation and to Gran Turismo, fine. They did the same thing, not the same thing, but they used Forza 7 to unveil the 911 GT2. They partner with games all the time to to do this, especially since they didn't renew the contract with the Need for Speed series and they opened themselves up to all these other racing platforms. So, I mean, the more Porsches and more video games, I'm all for it. I'm with you maybe the popular, Maybe the popularity of the car in the game will prompt them to actually make a real version of it. You never know. And I'm hoping that in the months to follow, we can get back to an idea we had where we do like a, what should I buy for some of these racing simulators, get a deeper look, have some previous guests back on to talk about it that are knowledgeable and subject matter experts in that field. I mean, I've been testing a lot of games recently, streaming stuff on Twitch and whatnot, and, you know, spending like a month on one game and then moving to the next one. And, you know, I, I got to say, I can't do iRacing. I don't get it. I don't love it. It's way too complicated. I just want to jump in and drive, but I don't want it to be cartoony like something that is on a console, right? Obviously, Gran Turismo 7 and Forza being, you know, the upper echelons of the console world, there's plenty of, you know, you want to play Rocket League, there's plenty of those kinds of racing games out there, quote unquote. I dabbled with the new Grid Legends. I thought the story mode was excellent. I have it all up on our YouTube page if anybody wants to see the game and not try it themselves. I I still think it's good. It has a lot of replay value, but I've also moved on to a set of Corsa. I think for me, it speaks to me. It's a lot of GT racing. The tracks are good. The graphics are excellent compared to a lot of other stuff. It was easy to set up. You know, a lot of people say it's difficult and challenging. I found that to be the exact opposite and I'm enjoying it. And I'm streaming that now as well. If people want to check it out on our YouTube channel and on our Twitch. Translation, Eric went into Steam and bought all the discounted, you know, car games that came out about a month ago. Shh, shh. Be quiet. Because <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some sad news here to report. Earlier this week, mechanic legend in the DMV area in longtime Motor Week, I guess, guest spot, Pat Goss passed away. Brief moment of silence for, for Pat Goss. So he was, he was on motor week. He had the segment telling people it was kind of like a click and clack thing. It was Goss's garage. Goss's garage. He would go over general automotive news. Actually, he had a separate TV show of of a more extended version of Goss's garage telling general maintenance tips and answering phone calls and people's questions and things like that. My brother tried taking his Camaro to him and he quoted like $3,500 for a car that cost like 1500 bucks to fix. And so you know, maybe he was living off his fame or whatever at that point. It is still sad to see an, an, a DMV automotive legend pass. So it's absolutely. Yeah. And, and Motor Week is a nationally televised show, right? It's in syndication yeah. in a lot of places and whatnot. I mean, him and Jim Davis are the two basically anchors on that show. I met Jim Davis in person a long time ago, and I feel like I grew up with Pat Goss because every week you watch Motor Week on PBS or whatever, and there they are, you know, telling you all the latest car news and, and things of that kind of like our drive through, like we try to do every month. Yeah. So, yeah, sad to see you know, a legend in the community for sure. So speaking of other community news, we've got upcoming local news and events brought to us by collectorcarguide.net, the ultimate reference for car enthusiasts. 
First thing we want to talk about here is the $2.7 billion plan to renovate the vacant Bader Airfield in Atlantic City to a car enthusiast dream, which will include a 2.44 mile course, a race course, closed course. Yeah, that's cool and all. I don't like the fact that they say you can drive your high-end automobiles there. What about the people with the GTIs? We want, we want to drive too. Don't forget about us. And also it says there's literally nothing like this anywhere in the world. Except about, like 40 miles away, there's NJMP. Right? There's NJMP, there's Monticello, there's Watkins Glen, there's blah, 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 there's blah, 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 there's VIR. You're in a league of your own with all these other people. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Jersey well, short. I, I'm not going to snub my nose at more racetracks. So 100%. More, more the merrier. Bring them, bring them on. Well, yes and no, other than that they're trying to make this into like a theme park, it almost seems like, because they're going to have auto-themed attractions and a retail promenade and housing units. So it's like a country club amusement park. So so yeah, you bring your high-end cars, it's probably going to cost you an exorbitant amount of money just to go. That is some fancy marketing speak for the stuff we already know to be true. Garages, concessions, and like the race shop and whatever. I okay, mean, okay, so, call so it you whatever. Go kart track, auto themed yeah. attractions. Exactly. Okay, okay. So, so you add a museum and you've got Barber. Yeah. What else? A you thousand got? percent. What exactly. else you got? Well, we exactly. are going to pick this apart. This plan that's unlike any other in the world. I, I think the thing that's going to stop this from happening, as much as I want another racetrack to be here, at least in the mid-Atlantic and the Northeast, is the proposed 2,000 houses that they want to build around this. And I'm like, this is never going to fly because we've seen it before. You build houses around a racetrack, everybody complains. It's like you knew the racetrack was here. This is why racetracks are built in the middle of nowhere. So I, I don't know. I see it being stopped by any you know, housing commission isn't going to let this fly. Now, granted, they're trying to repurpose an abandoned airfield. Whatever was already there, people were used to the airport. I don't think it was, it wasn't a major airport, but still. That's the thing that I don't understand because it's not very clear is, is that 2000 units of housing intended to be a neighborhood that's adjacent or is it intended to be country club villas for you to go spend your weekend or your week because you have a country course membership here and you can just, you know, instead of having my condo in Vail where I go skiing for a week out of the year, I have my my condo in Atlantic City where I take my race car. The only thing I see about that is you take the race track on top of the airport, kind of think about like, what is it, Dunsfield, where they had the original Top Gear track which is built on top of an airport. Same idea. Let's call it the Top Gear Track of New Jersey. The acreage of that municipal airport isn't going to be that large, right? It's a couple strips and taxiways put together. Where are you going to put 2,000 houses, right? So they're going to be built surrounding this airport or in existing neighborhoods, maybe that have been abandoned or need to be rehabbed or gentrified or whatever word you want to use. So I just, I don't see it working as a, full, as a full package. Yeah, I love the fact that it says, it's even going to have an esports video game playing facility, quote unquote, somebody's bedroom. <laughs> it's going to um, have one Fanatec set up in the gray shop somewhere. Oh my for gosh. People, should... For people that can see the stream behind me, I've got my esports gaming playing facility right there. You should Google Maps this, actually. Google Maps Baderfield. Okay, like I said, it's time. Is it the size of Tipton Airfield? There's a McDonald's literally across the street. Yeah. Oh my God. Now that is a concession. They don't have a VIR. 
So uh, more local news, upcoming shows in the area. We've got the Damascus Cars and Coffee, which is every Saturday through October. Likewise, the Jimmy Cone Cruise-Ins are the first and third Saturdays every month through October at the famous Jimmy Cone in Mount Airy, Maryland. Hagerstown Cars and Coffee is the first Sunday of every month. We have the Battle for South Mountain, Drag or Die, featuring folks like previous break-fix guest Bobby Parks on April 8th and 9th. Golden Gears Cruise-In has a new location in Frederick. April 10th, Classic Auto Mall is holding their annual swap meet in Morgantown. Spring Carlisle has been scheduled for April 22nd through 24th. Volksfest, not to be confused with Vagfair, will be held on April 22nd in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Vagfair will be in August in York Fairgrounds. And the 45th annual PCA Swap Meet returns to Hershey on April 30th. Tons more events like this and all their details are available at collectorcarguide.net. That's right. And it's time for the Trackside Report, sponsored by hpdjunkie.com. So what's coming up here in April and May? Well, April 9th and 10th weekend, HOD, Hooked on Driving, returns to New Jersey Motorsport Park for one of many weekends they have scheduled there. Also, Hooked on Driving has just recently announced that they are adding a three-day VIR date in July on the 22nd through the 24th. April 14th, the Colonial Challenge Cup is holding their track day at Summit Point, Maine, and you can learn more about their program from the episode that aired earlier this month. EMRA, the Eastern Motor Racing Association, kicks off their season at Lime Rock on April 2nd with a full lineup of locations like NJMP, Summit Point, Pocono, and the New York Safety Track. So check them out at emraracing.org. We're looking forward to being able to be on site with SRO America, powered by AWS and CrowdStrike, for their June VIR and July Watkins Glen events. So if you're interested in joining us, please don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. In case you missed out, check out the other podcast episodes that aired in March. We kicked off season three of Break Fix with Mike and Mona Rigo from Hooked on Driving and took an in-depth look at what makes them America's number one non-competitive performance driving program. We learned how you, as a motorsports enthusiast, can give back to the community by participating in the Colonial Challenge Cup, making a direct impact on kids' futures in our area. Designed to get dirty, we learned how the worlds of motocross and fashion collide and how it's being revolutionized by sisters Paige and Kelly McReynolds of McRae Motocross. Don't forget to catch the special St. Paddy's Day Patreon re-release of Airwolf, as told by GTMer John Wade. We introduced a new GTM partner, Collector Car Guide, to the mix and learned about how it's the ultimate reference for car enthusiasts. Thank you to everyone that came on the show this month, and please look forward to more great episodes this spring. And don't forget, welcome to Season 3 of Break Fix. Well, we don't have any new Patreons this month, but remember, if you love what we do here and you know after 110 episodes of the show and you want to keep things going help us keep the lights on jump over to patreon.com forward slash gt motorsports and sign up for one of our many different tiers continue to support the show get some kickbacks things like that along the way i was going to say for patreon i think we need to do like a sarah mclaughlin thing so we showed we we, we played the sarah mclaughlin we show pictures of us wearing ratty old gtm gear <laughs> Pictures of us repairing cars in the paddock. Yeah, right. yes, yes, yeah. yes. We got the, t- 
<laughs> tons of those eric under every single volkswagen in the group i th- yeah i i think we i think we'll get some patrons from that yeah right uh, yeah other shout outs we'd like to shout out our anniversaries donham and laura from garage ride is officially celebrating one year as a gtmer and eric borley from the mark four mafia also celebrates one year with gtm this month that's right and remember for everything we talked about on this episode and more be sure to follow all the follow-on articles that go along with break fix episodes They have comprehensive show notes and all of that is available at gtmotorsports.org. And of course, we cannot forget giving a shout out to our co-host and executive producer of BreakFix, Tanya, who helped us change up the format. And I think it really worked this time. What do you think? Okay. Nobody else agrees with me. (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Sorry, I I thought you were. I was looking to Eric, who was the deer in the headlights. That's what I thought you were asking. (laughs) And to all the members who support GTM, without you, none of this would be possible. That's a wrap. Well, here we are in the drive through line. Me and her. Cars in front of us, cars in back of us, all just waiting to order. There's some idiot in a Volvo with his bright sun behind me. I lean out the window and scream, hey, whatcha trying to do blind me? My wife says maybe we should call. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, gummy bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.